going to do something a little different this morning. Um, we've been going through the book of Psalms and just been reflecting this last couple of weeks on everything that God has done over the last year for us. And uh, I was having a conversation with a mentor, pastor, a friend of mine earlier this month. And we were talking about how sometimes, you know, as pastors, we can preach through chapters and, and uh, books of the Bible. And, and the next time we come around to it, maybe a couple months or a couple years later, God just kind of shows us something new and something different. Now, I, I want you to understand, he's, uh, he's in his 80s, and he's still preaching every Sunday. And uh, so he was telling me, he's like, you know, I, I was studying this chapter to preach, and it, it just, God showed me something new. And he said, I, you know, I've preached out of this chapter many, many times, and I just, God just opened up something. So we got to talking and sharing, and um, it, it just kind of has been weighing on me a little bit to, to share with you guys that. So most of you have spent the last couple of days or maybe even week or so um, giving gifts, and, and exchanging gifts to people, uh, people that you love, people that you care about, people that you feel like you have to, I don't know. But you've been giving gifts, right? And do you ever slow down and stop and just think about the motives of, of why you're doing that? Or is it just something that you do because you've always done it? Or it's Christmas and that's what we're supposed to do and Maybe for some of you, it's like, well, they're going to get me a gift, so I got to get them a gift, right? And that's, that's your motive is because they're going to give you one, right? So do you ever just slow down, though, and think about why, why do we give gifts? Why? As Christians, giving gifts is something we should be doing all year round. Right? We, we celebrate it, and it's kind of a, a big deal at the end of December, but in reality, we're called to give gifts all the time. It's what we were made for. And the reason that we give gifts ultimately is because as Christians, we've received the most amazing gift. But the Bible is such an amazing book to me because it it really helps us to understand our heart. It helps us to understand our motives in so many ways. And in this chapter, Paul is talking about a cheerful giver. And let me just read to you the first part. We're going we're gonna to look at 8 through 15 as part of the sermon. But just for context, because I'm not preaching through this book, I want you to understand what I would have preached last week if we were. In verse 6, he says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What Paul is talking about here just, just this attitude of giving that we are to have as Christians, that, that it's something we are to be doing, and we are to be doing it cheerfully. And then he's going to go in and kind of outline some different motives, some different reasons, if you will, for us as believers 
to be continually giving gifts. And so I want to look at those five reasons this morning. The first one, and I, and I think this is one of those times when it's like, oh, okay, the Bible gets us. It understands us humans. We give to get. That's why we give. One of our motives is we give to get. And we're going to see that the more we give, the more we are enriched by God. But, but that's, not, that, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Paul's going to be working from the least to the greatest in this argument. He's going to be giving us five reasons why we should be continually giving all year round. And he's going to start with the, the weakest of those, which is we give to get. Then he moves on to the second motive, to meet needs and to bring praise to God. You're going to see that in verse 12. And then the third motive, the third reason, is to prove one's loyalty to Christ. You're going to see that in verse 13. The fourth motive is to enhance prayer and love and fellowship within the church. You'll see that in verse 14. But then he's going to get to the greatest reason of all. To praise God for his indescribable gift to us. And we'll see that in verse 15. So let's kind of walk through this and kind of unpack this. Um, we'll put it up on the screen and we'll read it together as a church. Um, if you're visiting with us, this is just something we do as a church, just to read through our passage. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So I want you all to read and hear the word with us this morning, starting in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way and be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Amen. So the first motive that we see here in starting in verses 8 through 11 is we give more to be enriched by God more. And unfortunately, this is where a lot of people start and stop with giving. They, they, they want you to give so that, that you will get more. And, and this, guys, again, I, I want you to understand, Paul is working from least to greatest here in reasons. So this is, this is the least of reasons why we should be giving. But it's, it's important to see what Paul is saying, that, that he hopes that we may abound and have all abundance at all times. 
Verse 9 is offering a quotation from Psalms 111, verse 9, where God is the one who gives to the poor and so demonstrates divine righteousness. So Paul is asking the Corinthians here, you, you have a chance to be like God. You, you have a chance to give lavishly to those who are in need around you. And, and this is a great motive for us, is, is being in that position, especially those of us who have been given so much, to be able to give to those who can in no way pay us back. But God does. God is the one that is enriching us. God is the one that is giving us all the things that we need in our life. The connection here between material giving and righteousness is important. Both Paul and the Old Testament, or excuse me, Paul and the Old Testament, righteousness is not simply an inner quality or a purity of the heart. It also involves justice and generosity toward others. In other words, you don't just walk around going, I'm righteous, look at me, I'm righteous. Man, I'm so righteous. No, the way that people tell you're righteous is how you treat other people, how you care for other people, how you care for those who can't help themselves. That is how you can see and know that a person, a person is righteous. It's not just about an inner state. That's where it starts. has to start there, but it then flows out to the people all around you. It's not righteousness unless, as with God, it is demonstrated in deeds. How do we know that God is righteous? He sent his son to die for you and for me. He demonstrated that. He exercised justice on his son so that we don't have to experience that justice. That's how I know God is righteous. Because of what he has done on the cross through his son, Jesus Christ. The evidence that one is righteous or just is in one's actions. And in this case, in what one does, specifically with one's money, the Christian is called upon to give sacrificially. In fact, he's to give all he is and has to meet the needs of a desperate world. Now this, this probably for some of you sounds risky. And it's like, man, this, this doesn't seem like the wise financial decision for me to make. But it's clear teaching in Scripture. How could God expect us to give sacrificially, to give all beyond what we need for our own families? Well, the answer is simple and yet very pointed. Because God is able to make all grace abound and overflow in us. Right? He, God is able to pay us back for whatever we give. So God is asking us to demonstrate something so that he can then demonstrate something in our own lives. Right? So this isn't a selfish motive of, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to give because the Bible tells me to give, but I'm giving so that God will give me a lot more. Now we're demonstrating that we believe him and in doing so, he demonstrates to us that he is a righteous, just God. In fact, note exactly what God says. And note the fullness of God's gifts in the words, 
all and always in these verses. God is able, and God is able to make all grace abound in you, so that having all sufficiency or contentment in all things and all times, you may abound in every good work. In Scripture, the word grace refers to the, the favor and blessing of God, both spiritually and materially. But in this particular passage, in the context of being a cheerful giver that Paul is laying out, he's specifically talking about materially and material blessings. And, and spiritual blessings are certainly included in all grace and all things. But, but his focus here is on what we do with our material goods. Therefore, what God is, is saying is a great encouragement this morning to a sacrificial giver. God will more than return what the giver gives. God will return all grace, all sufficiency, all things. Second, God expects us as believers to give sacrificially so that the believer may abound in every good work. That is, God gives the believer more and more so that he can give more and more. Again, I think for some people they get stuck on this and it's like, okay, I'm going to give so God will give me more. But you understand that this is an ever a, a, a cycle that just is going to continue. And the more he gives, the more he's going to ask you to give. And, and you're going to be able to abound in more and more and more good works in and around you and the people that you love and the people that you care about, your coworkers, your friends, your family. This is the point of the next verse. God gives to the believer so that the believer can scatter God's blessings all around. The believer can give to the, to the poor. And the believer's righteousness, his, his just deeds, his goodness, his kindness will endure forever, it says. Just, just think about that. Whatever gifts the believer gives endures forever. Note something else here. God, what God does for the sacrificial giver. God ministers seed to the sower. Now, the oldest Greek text here make this a declaration of fact and not a prayer. In other words, it's a declaration of fact that God will minister and give bread to the sacrificial giver. God will multiply the gift given by the sacrificial giver. God will increase the fruits of the believers just in good deeds for righteousness. God will enrich everything and always so that the believer can continue to give liberally and bountifully. Now, this is a, a striking truth. The, the believer receives so that he can give. This means that none of us has an excuse for hoarding and keeping back more than what we need. God did not give it to him, to us, to keep it back, to save it. God gave it to us to meet the desperate needs of the world. And this is, this is, 
This is an earth-shaking truth because it, it means that all that we have been given is not to be kept. We, we are only to be a channel of the goodness that God has given us and the grace that he has extended us through our material things. And this is how God sends his blessings into the world through his people. He uses us as conduits of his grace to this world. And to keep back more than what we need is stealing. Not only stealing from a desperate world that needs it, but stealing from God. And John 10.10 says, I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. The second thought from this first motive is that giving sacrificially depends upon one thing. Believing, truly believing that God will take care of you. That God will provide the necessities and bless you abundantly. If you don't believe that, then you're not going to be giving. You're going to be holding on to it. You're going to be coming up with all kinds of excuses of why you can't. And, and, and it's not because of those excuses. It's because you just don't believe, truly believe, that God is going to take care of you. Even though the Bible clearly tells us over and over, Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And my God will supply, Philippians 4, 19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And some of you say, well, yeah, but I worry. Well, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So one of the first reasons, one of the first motives that we give is to receive more from God. And so that we can continue that cycle of giving. The second motive that we see in verse 12 is to meet the needs of the world and bring praise to God. Now, it's interesting here that Paul sees such giving. He uses the word, um, the Greek word for liturgy. And liturgy means public service, literally. In, in this time. And most of you who have been around churches very often, you understand that, that it's also a religious word. And we use the word liturgy to mean our order of service, for lack of a, just an easy way to say it, right? So we're going to have a song. We're going to have our, our uh, question and answer. We're going to have some more songs. We're going to have a corporate prayer. We're going to have a sermon. That's, that's our liturgy here at Church on the Way. Every, every church has a liturgy. They may not think about it or plan it, but it's it's the way in which they conduct themselves in public worship. And so Paul is using that term here to talk about giving to teach us something important. That our giving is part of our worship. It, it, it's, a, it's a part of the way we show God and the world that we love God. It's, it's a 
a civic obligation, if you will, as well as a religious act. And Paul seems to be playing on these two senses of the word here. Generous giving to the saints is not merely civic obligation, but also an act of worship, an act of thanksgiving back to God. And the term also suggests that Paul considered the collection as a voluntary public service. Again, think about what he said as, a, as part of a cheerful giver. Right? So, sometimes I know you guys get stuck because churches have told you you have to give a certain amount. I encourage you to go back and read the verses before this. Each one of you has been given a different material blessing in this life. And for me to stand up here and say everybody has to give the same thing, that's not what the Bible teaches. But what the Bible does teach is that we should be cheerful in whatever it is we give. Does that make sense? So, so it's us being able to, to look into our bank accounts, to look into our, our time. That, that's one of the biggest resources we have. And how can I be generous with those things? And we've all been blessed differently, but we, we sit down and we think about that and we go, this is going to be my act of worship through my giving. And then I cheerfully, happily give that. And when we do that, we're able to meet the needs in the world. And every single person who has anything beyond what they need to live is going to be held accountable for how they use their resources. Because there is a God in heaven who oversees all. And, and it couldn't be any other way. How, how could God look down upon a child who is dying and see a person standing off to the side with more than enough to save the child, just bypassing and walk on by? We would be foolish to think that God would overlook such selfishness, such indulgence, but we convince ourselves of that all the time, don't we? It's not my problem. I don't know them. I'm too busy. I can't get involved. See, God could not be God if he did not judge such irresponsible and corrupt behavior. And just, just think about how many desperate needs we have in our community and in our world. There are people starving, people dying of disease, homelessness. But the biggest problem is sin. The most terrible fate of all is dying without ever knowing the love and salvation of God in his son. One of the greatest motives for giving is to meet the desperate needs of this world. In Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said to him, if you, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. In Luke eleven forty one, 41, but give as alms those things that are within and behold, everything is clean for you. But there's another, another motive here that's just as important. The praise of God. You see, when, when we give and we meet that need, that then generates more praise for God. 
When needs are truly met, the recipient gives thanks and praises God. Not only does the recipient give praise for God, praise for God, but if there's any witnesses, if there's anybody that's around and they're seeing what's happening, they're giving thanks and praising God. And then ultimately, as the giver, we're to be giving thanks for God to God, right? I, I mean, so many times I, I get to be the vessel. You, you guys have so much generosity in your hearts, and I'm the one that make the, is, is like the last handoff, right? I, th- there's a collection that's happening, and then I'm the person that people... And I can't tell you how much joy that brings me and how much worship that brings me to praise God and thank Him for allowing me to be a part of that. So the receiver is praising God, anybody watching is praising God, and the giver is praising God when we're giving sacrificially. Note that it says many thanksgivings are offered up to God. So we give to meet needs, but not just to meet needs, to increase the worship and praise of our God. John 15, 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Psalm 107, 22, Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Oh, that your giving inspires someone to write a song of praise to Jesus that then gets sung for 20 years. You ever think about that? That so many of our, our hymns and our worship songs are generated by writers who have seen God giving through his people sacrificially. And that brings them to a heart of praise. And in their gift and in the way God has created them, they write these beautiful songs of worship and praise that the church then sings. And the original giver may have no idea here on this earth. Oh, but man, what sweet praise that would be to hear in heaven one day. The third reason, the third motive we see for giving in verse 13 is to prove our loyalty to Christ. So we, this, in, in the context of what Paul is talking about here, he's, he's trying to have this collection taken up for Jerusalem, and he's, he's trying to encourage the Corinthians to be a part of that process, right? So, so they're the ones collecting the money. They're going to hand it off to a couple of guys. Those guys are going to take it to Jerusalem, and there's a physical need that's going to be met there. And that giving, Paul says, is going to have two effects. It will supply the shortage of the Jerusalem Christians, but it will also produce a bumper crop of thanksgiving to God. See what he says there in verse 13. He says, By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. By giving this money, the Corinthians will glorify God. But they'll do it because of their submission that comes from their confession of the gospel. In other words, I'm practicing what I preach. I am proving I believe the gospel by giving sacrificially. 
Their giving then becomes a means of witness to a dying world. This is, this is an, a, an aspect of sharing the gospel in our lives when we give sacrificially. In doing so, we, we prove our loyalty to the gospel of Christ. The gospel is the proclamation of the greatest love and the greatest gift ever made known. And that's God's love shown through giving his son on the cross for us. And any person who claims to follow the gospel of God's love must be loyal in carrying the gospel of love forth, right? So so what Paul is saying is, Corinthian church, by you doing this, you're meeting the physical needs of the, the, the Christians in Jerusalem who then, because they're not worrying about their physical needs being met, are able to go out and continue to proclaim the gospel. And part of that story is them telling, you can give to God sacrificially because he will supply all of your needs. Do you know how we know that? Because we're able to do this because of another church over here who gave and met our needs. We don't even know these people. And yet, God provided through his people to us so that we can now preach the gospel to you. We must live a sacrificial life just as Jesus did. A life that gives all it has to meet the needs of a desperate world. Note something else here, and and we see this, I've told y'all before whenever I'm preaching through passages, whenever you see things repeated, you're reading your Bible, you should, you should perk up. A third time here, he invokes the glory of God. Verse 11, you see it. Verse 12, you see it. Verse 13, you see it. And the fact that it's mentioned three times, it, it should stand out as important. We are to give because it stirs people to glorify God. Loyalty to Christ And his gospel includes the giving of our material goods and our time. The the resources that we have been giving have been given. We, We are to use those to glorify God. In Matthew 19, 23 through 24, Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 16, 2, he says, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put up something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. So there, there's, there's to be forethought. There's to be planning in our giving. In Deuteronomy 16, 17, it says, Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, that he has given you. Again, God blesses each one of us differently. And, and some of you are here and you have very little financial resources, but you've got a lot of time. Some of you are here and you're like, well, yeah, I have time, but my body is just 
it's just, it's just too weak to be able to serve and help. You could pray. You could spend hour after hour after hour making intercession for the saints. E- each one of us can do something. Motive number four is to enhance that prayer and love and fellowship, as we see in verse 14. Very simply, when we believers give to people in desperate need, the people give thanks for them and their fellowship in the Lord. Giving stirs prayer. It stirs, stirs love in our heart and fellowship amongst God's people. And this is something that's often overlooked but it's so important that, that it alone merits us giving sacrificially. What, what greater result could we ask for than prayer and love and fellowship among God's people? What, what a blessing that would be if that came through our giving. We, we as a church, I'm afraid, woefully spend too little time praying to God. And if our sacrificial giving will spur people to to continue to pray more diligently and more fervently, what a great motive for giving. Ephesians 1, 15 through 16 says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. 1 Timothy 1, 2-3, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's as Christians gave sacrificially, it led people to pray and to worship God. It drew people together in love as a church, in fellowship with one another. But the last reason, the most important reason, is verse 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So Paul Paul is basically saying this Gift is so great, I I don't even know how to put words to it. Like It's just unspeakable to think about what God has given and done for us. And, And because of what he has done for us, we should be known as givers. It it should be our our mark in this life. The, The greatest gift ever given was God's gift to the world. The gift of his only son. No greater gift could ever be given. God is the supreme gift giver. You can ask my my girls and my wife, I, I love being the gift giver. 
And, and, and I think that just flows out of my relationship with God because I realize he is the supreme gift giver. I, I am never going to come close to him. I try. I do everything I can. But I'm never going to come close to him. But that doesn't discourage me. That encourages me. It, it empowers me to, to, to listen to them and, and to pay attention back in July when they say, ooh, I like this, I want it, and they've forgotten about it. But I remember it in December. And I buy it for them. And when they open up that wrapper and they think, ah, I didn't even remember how much I wanted this. It brings me so much joy. I can't even imagine how much joy it brings to God when someone receives his gift. The gift of his son and the sacrifice that he made on the cross to die for your sin. John 3.16, I know most of you know this, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 4.10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now my friend and mentor has preached this verse, this passage many times to help people in the church understand the importance of giving. And as we were talking he said, Dale, I've read it and I've read it and I've read it and I never realized the real the real point of this chapter is the gift that God gave. Everything we do is in response to that. And if we focus on the giving without understanding the gift that we've received, we will receive it and reject it. We, we, we won't want to give. We'll, we want to hoard. We want to keep it all to ourselves because we don't really believe the gift that we have been given. But man, when we really understand and believe the gift that we've been given, <laughs> the rest of this chapter just flows. There's no resistance. There's no, oh, the preacher's preaching on giving again. The one Sunday I had to show up and he's going to preach on giving. Because you understand the gift that you have been given that is far greater than anything you can ever give. And he gave it willingly for you. Not because at the time you loved him, but because at the time you hated him. And he still gave it. I love giving gifts to the people I love. I'm not so good at giving gifts to the people I don't love. And yet that's the gift that God has given to the hard-hearted enemy of God that wants nothing to do with him. He sent his son for that person to die for him. And this morning, as we end out 2021, it is my prayer and my hope that if you are here, 
A, you've received this gift. And if you haven't, that today you would receive this gift. By inviting the Lord to be Savior of your life. To, to receive the free gift. There's nothing you can do but just receive the free gift that He has given you. You don't need to clean your life up. You don't need to make things. You just, you just accept it. That's all you can do. And for those of you who are here who have accepted that, I just want to challenge you. Do you really believe what a great gift you've been given? Because if you do, you too are going to become a giver. And not just in December. Not just at Christmas. But all of 2022, you're going to be a generous giver. As we come and, and close out the year, and you reflect back on 2021 and look forward to 2022, I want you to challenge yourself and take a hard look. Where do I struggle to give? And some of you, you'll you, you write a check. That's no big deal. But to invest time, mm, that's, that's more difficult. Some of you will give time and won't write a check. Where, whatever it looks like for you, where do you need to grow in 2022 in being a better gift giver like God? Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive. And Lord, that gift leads to eternal life. Far, far more than we deserve. And yet you have blessed us with that, and we praise you for that. Father, I pray for everyone in this room, God, if they don't know you, if they've never received this gift, Lord, that today they would just cry out to you, Acknowledge their need, acknowledge their sin, and receive this free gift that you are offering of salvation. To be made right with you. And Lord, for those of us who have this morning, I pray your Holy Spirit would examine our hearts. Where, where do we struggle to give? Where are we reluctant to believe and trust that you will provide and take care of us? And so we cling to whatever that is with all of our life. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would convict us, would teach us, would show us this morning. So that we might become gift givers like you. And our lives would be marked by generosity. And Father, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.